Welcome back to the Homeschool Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Bex Buzzy. Today, we have TAN Academy's academic coach and publicist, Krista Thomas. TAN Academy is a curricular provider of Catholic homeschool materials covering all subjects, including faith, science, history, and literature. In today's episode, we talk about how homeschooling can utilize museums and experiences to learn about the world, how to get out of the box and stop boiling education down to tests, and what it looks like to have healthy homeschooling and how that shows through our actions. We also talk about homeschooling is about lifestyle and you do want to look at the end game of what you want your child to get out of this type of education and how it should not look like the institution of middle school and high school down the street. We also talk about in homeschooling, hey, you may make mistakes, but that's fine. And lastly, Krista, she says, go rogue or go home. And that means we don't all need to go to college. It may actually be more beneficial for you to fund your child's entrepreneurial business endeavor of $25,000 rather than $100,000 plus for a degree they're just never going to use. Go grab your coffee, go grab your tea and a pen and paper because you're not going to want to miss what Krista has to say. Let's get into the podcast. Krista, say hello to our listeners and tell us one misconception you believe most have about homeschooling. It is so great to be here. Thank you so much for having me and uh, hello to everyone. And as we have this really great conversation about homeschooling. Okay. What a great question. A misconception about homeschooling. Um, You know, what's funny is it's taken a couple of years. Well, a couple of years into homeschooling, people realize that they have this misconception that homeschooling is or should look like an institution. What you really realize is that homeschooling has nothing to do with an institution, Um, whether it's private, whether it's a hybrid, whether it's public school, your homeschool at home is your lifestyle. Like it is something that you can take and own and make it what you want. So you have an end goal, you know, you this, this end game of what you're looking for at the very end. And it takes a couple of years to realize like, okay, this is the end game. It's, it's really not about getting into Harvard in the end. It's not. But it is for most people about how to get to heaven and how you can do that with what you're reading and what you're teaching your kids and the virtues that you want to help. Uh, imbue in them. I mean, this is a lifestyle that anybody can do, even though they might say they don't have patience. Okay. That's a virtue. Um, Maybe, you know, maybe their kids aren't obedient, which is a virtue. I mean, maybe sometimes we don't have charity because maybe we had too much caffeine or lack of sleep or what have you, but all of these things are virtues, right? Like we, we think we don't have them, but God gives us the the opportunity to actually grow in those virtues. I mean, we don't come out perfect in the womb and we certainly aren't perfect on death. So, you know, the only perfect one is Jesus Christ. And so I would say homeschooling is a lifestyle and you want to really look at what your end game is for your kids. So the misconception is that your planning of it, the books that you choose should not always, if at all, look like something that is going to be in your elementary, middle, or high school down the street. Right. You have some great people out there that teach in elementary, middle, and high school, whether it's parochial school, private, public, homeschool co-ops, you know, maybe there's retired people, college professors. We have some fantastic people out there that love God, want to know him, love him, serve him, you know, 
And uh, they are, their hands are really held tight about what it is that they can teach. But there are moments when they can teach outside of what they're told to teach. So this is not knocking on any profession. It's really looking at the institution itself, where it came from, and, and looking at prior to that institution, what did schooling look like? What did homeschooling look like in like 1920, even the 1800s, 1700s? That really looked like a mother or a father or a tutor that would come into the home and teach the children the basics. And they were taught either one-on-one or they were taught like in a, what we call like family setting or, you know, a schoolhouse setting. But in the end, we are, lo- we are supposed to look different than an institution. We really are. And this is a, is a great opportunity to just enjoy the process. It's not going to be perfect. Because it's not, we're human and we make mistakes. And sometimes we do choose wrong curriculum <laughs> based on <laughs> what's in the institution down the street, you know? Right. But yeah. In a nutshell, that's a, to me, the misconception that, that is the aha moment for people. And they go, wait a minute, this is a lifestyle. This is, this can be what you want it to be. What's your end game? I love that. That's really awesome. I, I really appreciate the way you've kind of laid it out and everything. I have one question. So you mentioned institutional learning. So what do you mean when you talk about institutional learning? Because I've always thought of it one way. And I'm I'm just curious as to what your take is on institutional learning. And maybe our listeners are probably like, well, what does that mean? Okay, so here's a classic example. Testing can be really a really great resource. It's a good assessment to kind of figure out where your child is. However, we're individuals. So when we're in, we have different charisms that God has given us. It could be that we have a charism towards STEM, or we could have a charism toward the liberal arts. So if we are going to look at our children and, and as we are trying to really encourage them to be the individual that God wants them to be, an institution is not about individuals. Like we say it is, we want everybody to prosper. We want everybody to succeed. But in the end, we have all these different tracks. And if you mess up anywhere down those tracks, then you're gonna be put in track A based on an experience or maybe you flubbed up on something and it's really hard to get out of that track. So they kind of mold you into what they think you're gonna be as opposed to letting the parent decide what is gonna be best for their child. Like we have, charisms that are going to come out when the Holy Spirit just lights us on fire and we do things that we never knew that we could do. Okay. And those, some of those things are actually what we will go or what we should be going into when we are adults. What should our profession be? If we have a servant heart, you know, you might go toward law enforcement, but yet you feel like the school tells you that, well, you need chemistry. You're going to need physics. Well, maybe Maybe just maybe that that student is not really inclined to be STEM oriented, but is liberal arts oriented. So why are we putting them in in chemistry and physics, but instead we could put them in something that's more liberal arts oriented that would get them to think about the whole person because they're going to be helping people out there and they need to see people as the whole person Um, because that's kind of a, you know, an ideology out there. So I would look at that even with my own kids. I could see some of their charisms coming out as they were getting older and, you know, letting God help them imbue them with what, what those um, tools are in their toolbox so that they can help really bring about the kingdom here on earth. I mean, we need that, right? So, so I guess what I'm trying to say is institutions really do kind of point you in one direction. At this point, the last, I would say the last um, 
two to three decades, it's been college, 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 college. Well, college could be good, but college isn't for everyone. And actually, I would say many people should reevaluate college based on how much it costs, based on is your child going to be the same unique individual that's loved by God? Are they going to think that when they come out of college? Like you really have to be careful where you put your kid. Um, Or is it better for that child if they're showing that they're very strong-willed? They have leadership qualities, by the way. So they're strong-willed for a reason because they want to lead. So now we have to temper the leading, right? Because it's a learned process as well. And there's tools in their toolbox they need to actually gain. But in the end, these kids might be better off in an entrepreneurial setting where you've spent 25,000 getting them set up in a business rather than hundred plus in debt and indebted to other people like companies. Why are we doing this to people? These young, young people. I mean, so I think that, you know, we got to go rogue here. Go be independent. Um, Go rogue or go home. (laughs) Right. Go rogue. Go rogue. I mean, I really do feel this way that there's, there's only a handful of colleges that I would trust my child to. There are a lot of them out there that say they're Christian. Uh, There's a lot of them out there that say they're Catholic. And I will tell you as a convert to that faith, I will tell you that most of those Catholic schools are not Catholic. They're anything but, and they aren't serving God. So the idea is pray about it. And watch your children blossom, especially in high school, giving them opportunities. I see in council more families um, at Tan Academy that really in high school, they're saying, how can high school be four or five hours of work? And I said, it's supposed to only be four or five hours of work because we want our students to go out there and start businesses. We want them to be, um, we want them to actually mentor other younger children. We want them to be mentored by uh, businesses, Christian business owners. I mean, this is what we want. That transcript needs to be more than what that grade is. And so I'm going to go back to testing. We test, 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 but do we really know? Are we teaching to a test? Are we learning to a test? Or do we really have the foundation, the, the basic foundation of whatever it is we're learning? And then do we have an opportunity to dive deep into that subject matter? Or do we have to move on and, and you know move on and press on to another subject when we could have really had, a, had an extra month to really go dive deep and do some extracurricular activities because we are super blessed in this country to have museums and to have parks and recs where our taxpayer funding is helping them come up with programs for kids. The libraries, if they're good programming. I mean, we have so much at our fingertips as homeschoolers. It it is such a joy to be able to own it and go and do these things with your kids and have these experiences. Some of the experiences aren't going to be A plus. It's true. Um, But we have to have those experiences because life is like that, right? It's not always going to be you know, dandelions. Sometimes it'll be dandelions and sometimes it'll be roses. So it's good to have all kinds of experiences and let our kids learn about the world that God created and also what people have to offer out there in their expertise is really important. Wow. You made so many valuable points. It's not even funny. I don't even know where to pick up from. (laughs) You know, the funny thing is, is that I am a product of the public school system. Me too. Me too. My parents moved us out of a big city into a very, very small community. My parents are very well educated and highly educated, I should say. And when we moved to this very, very small, small town, I mean, I graduated in a public high school of like 22, 23 people. Okay. Okay. So the teachers, um, it was poor paying school district. So the teachers that they were getting were sometimes people that were business people coming in They were trying to get out of what it was they were doing. And so maybe they weren't the best teachers. Maybe they were great teachers, but maybe it's that they were having to teach not out of a book, right? So my my upbringing was that learning is going to be lifelong. And if I don't 
get algebra in ninth or 10th grade very well. And if I have to take it in a community college and have to take it again <laughs> immediately, I've, I've recognized something about myself. I am not a math person, but I can balance a checkbook. Um, and so that's important to know who you are. And I think that it's hard when we have an institution that says, these are your benchmarks. When I think there are basic benchmarks, because I love the California Achievement Test. That's like, it's old. Okay. It's very old, but it's very basic. Let's get back to basics so that we have extra time to focus on those things that, that God is asking us to grow into and serve others. So let's talk about so what is your curriculum focus on? What is the focus of your curriculum, TAN Academy? That's a great question. So, so TAN Academy focuses on three core subjects because these three core subjects really do deal with the human person and, and how God loves us into creation, into being. And he wants to love us forever. And, and he wants us to love him forever, right? So these three core subjects are religion, history, and literature. And they're all dovetailed nicely together. So everything else, we realize that we are preferential people. What you choose for math could be Saxon. It could be Singapore math. It could be this excellent book, by the way, called Algebra Survival Guide. That's awesome if you're not very good with that um, algebra stuff. Um, but um, so we know that people are preferential. So whether you want to choose your own math curriculum, you want to choose your own art program, because maybe you yourself have an art background. And so you might want to be more experiential and that you go and do the art programs that are in your local museum with experts that are trying to teach drawing, painting, or maybe what, what, what is the thinking behind 16th century art versus ancient art? You know, it, is it more practical? Is it more beautiful? Like all of these things that we can actually tap into. So I don't always think learning is going to come from a textbook. And right. I think about Socrates and where the Socratic method comes from, group of people that are engaged in a subject and they're talking about it and they're they're using what they know and it could be textbook based it could be experiences it could be a lecture that you've gone or it could be that you went to symphony hall and you're listening and then you're you're hearing from these experts right so i think that we've looked at education and we've boiled it down to a b and c and d here are your bucket list check them off so that your kid can go to X college. And, and if you take the SAT or the ACT, by golly, you're guaranteed to get some money, which I actually am against the ACT and the SAT. And I would put a plug in for the CLT instead, because I think that, that we've gotten away from education and we've made it such a big business that we've gotten away from really, are we educating the whole person? By the time they graduate high school, what are your check marks for them? You know, we want them to be good citizens, we want them to know that their civic duty is to vote. They need to be educated and, and, and know what their values are. Um, and like I said, to know and love and serve God, I mean, it's like primo. So what TAN Academy does, we require our enrolled families, which is a flat fee, no matter how many children you have. We, we look at that and say, your religion and your history and your literature are all going to be a cohesive subject base. And you can start with, we always start with history. We say you start with the ancients or you start with medieval or modern and then American. And then it all then rotates back all over again. So you're going to see the same subjects again. And so our literature coincides with what we're learning in that history and then our religion as well. And so we're trying to in, in 
We're trying to impress upon parents that virtues, learning these virtues, living them out in, as a, in a young, in these young formative years will help serve them, especially as, as we go on. And if there's more chaos in the world and um, less, you know, morality going on. So in a nutshell, those are the three that we that we have. We also have a science series that, that families can choose to use. It's a liberal arts base. You can use all the way up through high school and you challenge up by, you know, adding more labs or liberal arts. Basically your art and, you know, how you learn how to read, how you learn how to write, you can use whatever program you're comfortable with because like I said, we have preferences and you can teach with what you like. So that's really it in a nutshell. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow, it's powerful. And yeah, I had a friend actually who went classical as well and he didn't take any math or sciences at all and graduated high school. And when he went to college, he literally, I was pretty shocked when he told me this, but he tested out of math because he knew how to learn because yes. he was learning things that he was really interested in. So it didn't matter that he didn't learn a certain subject. He already knew how to learn and mm -hmm. how to think logically, which really what math is, is, is logical thinking. And it is able to, yeah, and being able to reason well to, and he could do that. So he, mm -hmm. he literally tested out of math and he is a huge businessman, like huge. He runs a huge company uh, across the United States. And, that's fantastic. Yeah, and that's from a person who didn't take math once in high school, but was was able to test out of it in college and went right into direct, you know, direct learning of what he needed to do. So I think there's just so many different misconceptions about what we need to learn. And I think there's also, you know, an undervaluing of how the brain actually works, you know, and, and what it is capable of doing. So I, I love your method. You have the schoolhouse method and you just, you're blending the classicals and you're allowing parents to supplement other materials to bring in. And a lot of times when parents do read different books, right within the reading, there are so many opportunities to add math to it in such creative ways that, you know, I think it just takes a, a moment to bring it all together. So that's really, really great. I'm really, it's really exciting. So what sparked the inspiration for this type of curriculum type of program? That's a great question too. Um, Tan Academy was actually built by people who homeschooled, were homeschooled or are homeschooling their kids. So I have 20 years in and basically was about to graduate my youngest and, and received a phone call um, that my name was recommended. And they asked if I would come in and consult with them about what would it take? What did I see and what they were seeing as far as homeschooling their own children, multiple children, I'm talking, you know, three, four, five, sometimes eight children in one family. Like, what does that look like? And, and where can we support people in the mission to really homeschool to heaven? And so I came on board and, um, really what I found just by using several curriculums out there myself and having to draw up my own lesson plans and realizing that a lot of people don't have time. They don't have time to do these things. What they want is a curriculum that they can finish and it's not hanging on to the next day because they have these lesson plans that tell them all those bucket lists of, of things that they have to get checked off for the day. And I can't tell you how many people feel like failures because that bucket list in each subject might be five or 10 different things. So you almost feel like that in itself is like, it's like going and working for a company 
and being told you have to get X, Y, and Z done. And you know that in that eight hour day, there's no way you can get it done. So you go home and you think about it, you ruminate on it. You, it's stressful to you because the next day you realize you have what's left over from the day before. Plus it's like that. That is not healthy homeschooling. Healthy homeschooling sets boundaries to say, even children, and I would say now with a lot of the electronic devices that they've grown up on now, these younger generations, they really can't sit for more than 20 minutes. They can't. I mean, we're asking them to do something that we could do easily probably 30, 40 years ago, right? Maybe 25 years ago. So we have to look at what we've done with our growing up of our children and say, right. like, we're responsible. Yeah. We're resp and we're showing them by our own actions, like, oh, I love my phone or, oh, I love my computer. We're showing them that that's really an important thing. And so mm -hmm. they're learning off of that. They're imprinting and realizing that they can do it too. They should be doing it too. And then, you know, mom, dad, can I have a phone? Mom, dad, can I have this? Mom, mom, dad, can I watch a movie? And so what we've done is we have looked at the attention span and we've just made it even smaller. So how do we get children to sit? How do we get them to sit for a period of time? Well, we're a heavy-based reading program. We want read-alouds. We like this read-aloud revival. It is super key because if your kids can hear the vernacular. They can hear the words. They're learning what these words mean. They're expanding their vocabulary by reading classic books. I'm not talking books that have been, you know, um, written in the last five to 10 years. I'm talking, and I'm not even talking about the Caldecott winners. I'm talking really solid, great books that you and I would have grown up on, that our parents would have grown up on, that our grandparents would have grown up on because they're virtue-based. Mm. We need to show our children that there is good and there is evil because there is. Right. And they can see it in stories. You can even see it in Aesop's fables, which are beautiful stories. Hans Christian Andersen. I have some families that are concerned about reading Hans Christian Andersen's stories to their children because they are scared it's going to scare their children. What should scare their children is the idea that they might end up in hell one day. That is the scariest thing ever. So why wouldn't we give them good, noble and true stories that speak to what virtue really is? Do we want to be good or do we want to choose evil? Because there's only two sides. That's it. You choose one or the other. And we will be plagued for the entire duration of our lifespan. We will be plagued by making these choices. And sometimes we make wrong choices, but we can always, through the redemption of Christ, make new choices, right? So families should realize that reading to them. Um, so we really highly recommend in these early years, we're reading a lot. You can use audio. You can use audible, actually. I was just going to ask that yes. question. And what's really Literally. great, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I, um, I will tell you that, that there are many families where their, their kids have some um, learning concerns, maybe some delays. I'm like, don't worry about it. I've got friends that their kids were not reading great because of dyslexia and some other dysgraphia, like all this kind of stuff. That until they hit high school, then they really started getting it. And so I think that is just God's filter to say, don't push a child. We can find other ways because they're smart. Kids are kids can be really smart and it doesn't have to be through the written word. Is that a tool? Absolutely. We should have our kids learning how to do handwriting up through fourth and fifth grade. It's true. We should also institute spelling, especially in the middle school years and high school years. But it doesn't mean that you have to teach those things immediately with success because we don't want to be comparative. We want to be contributive with our kids and with community, not comparative. And this is the, this goes back to institutional learning. What are we doing? We have benchmarks. If you're not here, you're going down this track. If you're not here, you're going down that track. 
And that doesn't really hold up to who we are as humans. We all have different rates of learning. So if your child is really having a hard time sitting still for 20 minutes, I would be looking at what's happening in that behavior. I see it in church all the time, by the way. Okay, we're gonna feed our child Cheerios during church service. Granted, within 15, 20 minutes, they're wondering whether a child um, is not behaving, right? right. They've just been fed. They can actually fast. Children can fast too during that one hour time or whatever it is. So I'm just bringing this up to say that um, we should, to be comparative instead of contributive, I mean, to be comparative instead of contributive means that you are now looking at somebody else's goals and making them your own. Make your own, own it. That is huge. That is so powerful. And I'm glad you mentioned the online option as well. I divert like uh, audible because I know for me, when I read sometimes, sometimes I can just read no problem with nothing. But then there are those days where my mind isn't, doesn't seem to be connecting with my reading for some reason. It could be the same book I've been reading and I have to also hear it while I'm reading. There are those moments where I even myself have to understand where I am at. And I believe when you're able to give your child a choice, Mm -hmm. they can tell you, mom, I'm good. Or, you know, dad, you know, can you play that for me? It'll help. And that also teaches them to have a voice in speaking about what can help them to to learn better, you know, and that's, and I think it's another powerful thing. It's another powerful thing about homeschooling is that a child will learn their best way of learning and they will understand themselves very much because they're not comparing themselves to other children, which I think really crazy sometimes when you think about it, that we're state, we're telling our children, you must compare yourself to another child. Right. right. I mean, that's why, you know, because we right. as adults, we tell each other, don't compare yourself to anybody. You have to be better than what you were yesterday, yes. which in homeschooling allows you that to become better than what you were yesterday at your pace. And right. that's really the whole point of education. Right. Like that's what we do. Yep. So when a family chooses to go with Tan Academy, what are some things they should like consider when they're looking into your curriculum and your program? Right, right, right. Well, that's an excellent question because most curricula that you purchase will say, this is first grade by everything in first grade. Here's second grade by everything in second grade. Here's third grade and here's eighth. And by the time you add all that up, people actually think that they cannot afford to homeschool. And it's true. If you go that direction, you probably can't. So what happens is, they end up saying, well, I'll only buy some things in first grade and then maybe there'll be a catch up later. But what Tan Academy, what our whole premise is, is that we want families to learn together. So if you think back over a hundred years ago, you had teachers who would go into communities and it was the time when there wasn't the harvest going on and they were, the, the teacher would ring the bell, the kids knew to come and they, they only had like a a set part of the day they would come four hours maybe and then they had to head home which might have been you know a two-hour walk home right and then they have to do chores at home and and so during harvest time there wasn't any school so what happened in that school room did you have all third graders no you didn't you had kids of all ages and all abilities so with so with tan academy we say Let's look at your children. Who do you have? Well, you have a second grader, you have a fourth grader, and you have a seventh grader. If your seventh grader is academic, your seventh grader can handle doing the seventh grade or take part of the subject. So in other words, history, you can do everybody together. You can do religion, everybody together. Literature, 
could be together, but your seventh grader is probably going to read from the seventh grade list that's historically bound through that history. Um, and then your other kids may be still learning to read, or maybe they're just going gangbusters. And so they're reading to the younger set, or they're all listening to audio, and they're doing narration exercises afterwards. Because our program is really a, a blend of classical and traditional methodologies, because we know people are preferential. We want everybody to have an opportunity to pick the kind of homeschool journey that they want. So what we do is we have counseling sessions, unlimited coaching throughout the year to help families figure out, are you going to do fourth grade religion with everyone? Because we are content rich. So whether you're in seventh grade or fourth grade or second grade, you're going to understand what's there. And then our whole high school program, you can, high, you can actually homeschool your high schoolers together. So if you've already had American history and you're in 11th grade and then you've got a ninth grader who's, who's still got American history to go, because technically American history is what we say is ninth grade. It's the same thing. You could put your kids, all of your kids in 11th grade and do 11th grade together in high school. Right. Because who's to say where you're learning is yes. learning is learning. And that, it's learning. yes, that's beautiful. really learning great. is learning. learning. And so yeah. We, we really want families, especially the mom or the dad who's staying home to implement this, to know that they can sit at the at their kitchen table or at the kitchen bar, or if they've got a if they've got a homeschool classroom, they're all sitting there. They don't have their kids coming back and forth and 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 I need you, I need you, I need you right. for the individual help. So they will need individual help on math. They will need individual um, help on maybe grammar and maybe yeah. learning how to read but even some of the kids are in the same math together you just be amazed because you can challenge up some kids if they are if sure. they're kind of um if, if they're just there because they have that kind of brain that's really you know math and science focused right and we really want families to be able to feel like they're not having to buy every single subject in every single grade we're trying to save people money and yes i mean it's true curriculum providers, technically, they want you to buy as much as you possibly can, right? Well, of course, right? Yeah. But <laughs> our mission, our mission isn't to do that. Our mission is to really to homeschool to heaven and to be yeah. joyful in it. So your homeschool day may look like in kindergarten, one hour a day. Um, if you're going to homeschool, a, 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 you know, a, a, like say you've got three elementary school students, it might be like three hours because you're going to take that block of time to do one-on-one -on -one for reading exercises or the so, math. So let's look at that. I love the fact that your curriculum is multi, multi-generational. Like, I mean, like not multi-generational, but it's multi-age. Multi mm -hmm. Yeah. So walk me through a lesson, what a lesson looks like. And my second question with that, would a parent have like a manual that would help them walk through it step-by-step -step with their children? Right. So we have lesson plans all the way through high school. Um, and the lesson plans are that you can swap every single subject you want, except for religion, history, and literature. Those are the three you cannot swap because they're all dovetailed together. So let's just say, for instance, you're starting with ancient history and you have a sixth grader, you have a third grader, and you have a first grader or a second grader. We're going to say, okay, let's start with the fact that the sixth grade is going to be ancient history. We really start with ancients and then seventh is medieval, eighth is modern. And then you start the cycle all over again. And you will start that cycle at second grade starting with the ancients. So your second and your sixth grader were like, let's use what we call story of civilization. And it has an audio feature with it. So it's a dramatization they can listen to and feel like they're actually hearing the drama go on, right? And they get excited and immersed in the history of that chapter. 
Then you can follow up with reading different parts of the text, but the lesson plan will tell you, read the textbook first and break it up. Break it up into sections that shows you where to do that and do narration exercises. Now you have an option, you don't have to do that. If you're, if you're having a really busy week, maybe you have to take care of your mother-in-law because she was in the hospital or maybe your dad lost your job and maybe you know, you've got some other duties and some, some really stressful things going on. You don't have time to actually read the textbook utilize that audio. So the kids are going to listen to that. And then you're going to go to the um, activity workbook and you're going to pull out an activity. Could be the maps that they're going to be working on that coincide with the history that you learned. And then there's another optional um, activity to do in that we have a lot of schools that are actually turning to our programs because they can do it in cycles. It's a four-year cycle of ancient, medieval, modern, American, and it just cycles back over again. So you can challenge up um, with your sixth grader, which, which means you can actually um, add more reading for your sixth grader on those various topics. You can look and see at the museums and let's just say they're having a special presentation on ancient, uh, maybe it's ancient art and, and what some of the artifacts are. You would want to go and do that. And so maybe your second grader isn't going to get as much as your sixth grader, but you still have exposure. And that's really what a liberal arts curriculum is. is we want to expose people so that to the good and the true and the beautiful, all of this noble stuff so that they can, they'll have memories and they will be driven to explore those areas and dive deeper when they go to the library next. Or if they have a birthday party, they may be really into, you know, the Egyptians. So you put on an Egyptian birthday party, you know, you can really do a lot of stuff and have it's fun really and fun. Be creative, but we help people do that. So they're very simple lesson plans. We don't have the check checkoff list of here's your 10 right um, your, your 10 items you have to get done today we really don't yeah. do that we just say read here's an activity and the next yeah. day read some more talk about it. have a Socratic discussion with your kids yeah. see what they remember because the biggest thing is is also memorization you know having those opportunities to have your kids memorize and that we do have what's um sort of an enrichment program where they are memorizing and they're repeating back that's that's so key or if you don't want to do that you can simply get a really great old-fashioned seriously a traditional poetry book um robert louis stevenson he's got some wonderful poems that are just meant for children i love the harp and the laurel it's a really great book um, that has a bunch of um, poems in it that go all the way up to the different stages of learning from elementary all the way up to high school that you can have your kids memorize. But there's just some fun things that you can do. And you can do this with families. You can go in with another family and say, hey, why don't we do this learning together? So it's easy to do religion, literature, um, and history all together combined. You know, you don't, and, and you know, I do know that it is across the country. We have a lot of public school um, teachers, they are fantastic and they don't like what's happening, but right. yet they want to be employed. And there are certain cities where um, families are looking to employ these teachers. And, and so these teachers have these, this curriculum right at their right at their feet, basically, that they could yeah. just implement it. And then they tell the parents on the off days, here's what you're going to do. And so most of our stuff is four day a week. We really want there to be a day where kids are going to a co-op or you're having, you're having kids over, you're going to the park, you're going to field trips. I mean, we need to have these experiential um, uh, experience. We need these experiences. The kids need them. 
That's awesome. So we've talked about a lot. We talked about your curriculum is multi-age. It obviously is multi-sensory. It hits auditory, <laughs> tactical reading. You have the Socratic method that goes in there. You talk about having them memorize and you also have community in there. You have a really wide range of things that you can do with yours. And I'm going to assume that parents can do your curriculum wherever, if they are traveling or if they stay home or if their kids are sports, etc. The, the lifestyle seems to be it seems like your curriculum is going to really support a lifestyle as well. So as we're wrapping it up, where can they find you? Where would they be able to get your resources? Sure. I would encourage anybody to come to TAN Academy, T-A-N Academy.com. Um, we do have complimentary coaching. There is a really great tab and it's the curriculum tab. Just click on the tab. There's a drop down that kind of gives you like the religion, the, lit the literature and the history. But if you click on curriculum, it really kind of gives you, it's kind of a hidden page, if you will. Um, it's, it's, it's really great because it gives you more of a flow of how things work and, and just puts, it just puts the control back in the parents court about what they're looking to do. What, what is your end game? Um, you know, this is, we are going against the brain. We really are because yeah. we want people to understand it is a lifestyle and, and it's a lifestyle that, that these kids will learn how to be entrepreneurs. They'll be, they'll be able to critically think about what it is that society wants them to do, but to be moral, to be a moral force out there in, in the world that's much, much needed. Wow. Awesome, man. This has been such a great talk. So is there one thing, one thing you'd want our listeners to take away from our conversation today? They can do it. Got it. They I love that. It. They can do it because you know, we are all trying, we're, we're all trying to be virtuous people. And so we're yeah. not going to be perfect every day. Yeah. And um, there, there is, it's, it's not about failure. This is about giving your kids the friendships within their own family. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have done it any other way. I'm really, really blessed to have been able to do this. And, and so we just really wanted the people to do it, jump in just jump in and and make it a lifestyle because it's fun i love it well thank you so much krista thank for you. just being here and spending this time with us um just thank yeah you. thank you it's, for everything it's been great i so appreciate the opportunity to be here with you and to help others kind of look at what they can do and and really make the most of the life that god gave them awesome thank you You've been listening to the Homeschool Advantage podcast, where you get the scoop on all the latest vendors that fit your lifestyle. Thanks for listening. Also, follow me wherever you listen to your podcast to stay up to date on the next episode. You can also visit my website where the episodes will be and for my free lesson plan course, which can help you if you have different vendors and you're wondering, how do I make them all flow together? Let me help you with that. And if you're a vendor and you think you would like to be on the podcast, send me an email, realedtalk at gmail.com. Leave me your name, contact, website, and I'll get back to you. Thanks for stopping in with me and I'll see you on the next time. <laughs>